Paint me a picture. Part one, in your hand. Uh, it's something like uh, this. Maybe it's uh, some big bloke with a massive beard floating in the sky, looking down on us. Or maybe you're like, well, I can't really picture, I can't really imagine God. So maybe it's something more like this. Morgan Freeman playing God in, in Bruce Almighty. Um, you see, we struggle to visualize something that we can't possibly understand. We can't imagine what God is like because he's way beyond anything we could possibly imagine. So often we kind of draw on things and images and similes and metaphors that help us to understand, to conceive maybe a little bit of what God's is like. And we're starting this new series called Paint Me a Picture. And we're going to look at images, similes that the Bible uses to help us to understand God. And none of them are complete in themselves because God is way bigger than just one uh, picture. So we're going to look at four different pictures uh, over the course of March to try and just help us to understand God, but also this is emphasis on us connecting with God over this month. Because often we use the simile of God the Father. That's one we use all the time, and that's great. It's one that we use all the time in the Bible. Jesus uses it, uses it a lot. But we're also aware that for some of us that's a struggle because of our own experience of father figures in our lives and how much we try sometimes we take those feelings we had towards that father figure and apply it to God the father so sometimes that can be unhelpful for us and sometimes um, we often say God is love because that's what the bible says but it's like well, what does that mean and I don't really understand what you know is it like God is some romance novel it, you know it that can be sometimes difficult to understand as well so we're going to take these four images we're going to take the potter we're going to take God the fortress God the Eagle and God the Shepherds. And we're going to be looking at that in March. And so we're going to take these images that are maybe a little bit difficult for us to connect with because when these images were used, then there were common things that people saw around. But we don't see many potters, really. We don't see many fortresses. Uh, we don't definitely don't see many eagles. So there are some kites flying around, you might have noticed, poorly. And we definitely don't see any shepherds in here but we're going to try and use those images and just to connect with God a little bit more and this morning we are looking at the image of God that's a funny order that should be earlier God the potter and like I said that would have been something incredibly common that people would have seen when the Bible was written here you know, thousands of years ago they would have seen potters all the time making pottery because that's what they use it was a it's ancient Tupperware Who's got a cupboard full of Tupperware? Yes, we all got cupboards full of Tupperware, different shapes, different sizes. Uh, do you, do you, are you like me where you have your particular favourite Tupperware? Do you not have a favourite Tupperware? Put your hand up if you have favourite Tupperware that you tend to always go for and you're disappointed if you find it's already in the freezer with something uh, in there. 
We have Tupperware and, and pottery pots is ancient Tupperware. They would use it for everything to store stuff in. In fact, archaeologists probably most of what they've got, it tells them the history of our, of the, our ancient ancestors, is pottery. There's loads of it. There's rubbish heaps full of pottery. But the Bible picks up on this idea of a potter being a way to understand what God is like. But we don't really do pottery, do we? Put your hands up if you've done, um, you go into a shop, there's one in Hawley, and you get given a bit of pottery, and you can do a bit of painting on it, and you get it fired. Put your hands up if you've done that. I love that. You just sit there with a paintbrush, and you paint all the stuff on, and it looks a bit dull when you do it, but then they fire it with a glaze, and it comes out really bright and vibrant. And that's about my only experience of pottery. Um, we once took, with all three kids, we took them to the potters. We had their hands and footprints put into clay, which I must say, about four weeks old, they did not enjoy. We have photos of our kids screaming as they're trying to force their foot uh, into the clay. But, it's, but that's probably all our experience of. Does anyone, has anyone done pottery? Put your hands. Sue's done pottery. Yeah, got some pottery. Has anyone actually done like, you know, when they had the spinny thing? The, and they th it's called throwing, isn't it? When they throw the clay on and they kind of do it like that. And they, anyone done that? Yeah, if you, see, that looks really kind of sophisticated. And I thought, well, that's got to be a recent thing in history. You know, that's really kind of, that's proper pottery. You know, when I was at school, I did coiling, when you kind of do it long sausages and you do them like that and you wind them up to make a pot. Thought that must be how they did it in the Bible, but actually that potter's wheel was invented three thousand years before Christ came. So, so if you've seen Great Pottery Throwdown, anyone watch that? Yeah, I'll get you to put your hands up. Lord. Put your hand up, nice now. Be proud. You watch Great Potter. Not very many. If you don't know what it is, put your hands up if you see the British Bake Off. Great British Bake Off. Have you seen that? It's exactly the same. I mean, exactly the same, but with clay. Okay, it's exactly the same process, exactly the same, it's identical, it's on the same channel, it's just done with clay instead. And I love watching that. I, I like these programs where I see someone making something. I, I used to be a design technology teacher, I used to like making things, I didn't like the kids very much, but I used to like making whatever the kids were making, and I missed that a bit in my life. Maybe I could do it if my garage wasn't so full of junk. But in reality, I haven't got the time to make stuff, but I try and be creative in different ways. But I love watching these programs when you see people being creative. And that's what you see in the uh, Great British throw Pottery Throwdown. You see people using these techniques that have been around for thousands of years, coiling, slab work, throwing, and they take something that's in their mind, something that's in their imagination, and they create a, a physical object a piece of pottery, according to a specification, according to a plan, according to a design, they then present to uh, their, uh, the judges at the end. And it seems such an, an intimate process. This isn't some sort of manufacturing line where you're just going, churning out pot after pot after pot. These potters are putting something of themselves into their creation. They're putting not just time and effort, but the artisan goes into every piece of work. And if you watch the pottery thread, it's on tonight if you want to watch it. 
It's amazing how invested they get into these pieces, how emotional they get into these pieces because they spend time, they, throw, they put their all into this. And this is the image the Bible chooses to describe what God is like. And he's not making pots, he's making us, you and me. In fact, it says these words, right, if you go right towards the beginning of the Bible, we looked at Genesis uh, in, in last month's uh, uh, series, and it says these words right at the beginning. And so chapter two of the Bible, first page pretty much, it says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, the dust, the dirt, the mud, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So the Bible, right from the outset, basically says that we are clay. We're made the same way, in a metaphorical sense, I guess, as those pots that they had in their houses, those pots that they stored those things in, those pots they drank and ate from, that we are no different. We are formed from dust. We're formed from the ground. But the thing that makes us different is what? We have God's breath, God's spirit breathed into us. In fact, it says in Genesis in chapter one, it says that we're made in God's image. I don't think that when it says that, that God looks like us. I don't think it was talking about us from an external point of view. God has 10 fingers and 10 toes and arms and legs. It's more about the spirit and the breath of life that God has breathed into us. There is something within us that makes us like God. So much potential, potential to love, potential for joy, potential for creativity, potential for kindness. Every single human being has a God-given life and potential within them. And God is sustaining us. And allowing us to, to grow and to prosper and to flourish. At least that's what he wants for us. But life can be hard. But it says these words in two, I love this. This is um, a poor guy called Paul. He was a great teacher in the early church. And much of what he wrote, his letters he wrote to kind of encourage and to teach the, the new churches are, involved, are included in our New Testament. And this is a, some, a, just a bit of a letter he wrote to a church in Corinth. He wrote two letters. This is the second one. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. <coughs> so Jesus was looking at us as... Paul was looking at us as humans and going, you know, we are, we've got something of God in us. We've got our, a breath of life in us. But actually, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. You have this all-surpassing power that comes not from your strength or your might or your intellect, but it comes from God himself. And we spend so much time focusing on our external bits and pieces, because they're bits we feel, don't we? If something goes wrong, we go to the doctors. Whether it's our brain or our fingers or our arms or our legs, if something doesn't work right, we know it instantly. 
And yet Paul is saying the bit that's important isn't so much the bit we see and feel, it's the bit inside, it's maybe intangible, the things we can't touch, the things we can't measure. And that's God's breath in us. Or if you follow Jesus, it's God's spirit within us as well. But maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm messed up. And I'm like a bit of Tupperware that's stuck at the back of the cupboard that's missing a lid. And no one wants to use it anymore. Maybe you're there thinking, you know what? I've faced so many disappointments in my life. So many abuses, so many failures. I've faced illness, trials. The ugliness of life has overcome me and it's affected me. And there are so many cracks within me. I am a broken vessel. Maybe you feel like that. I think, if we're honest, we probably all feel like that to a greater or lesser extent. And I love these words by American pastor Joyce Meyer. She says, God knows the mess we're in when he calls us. His light shines greater through cracked pots. And it does through those who have it all together. I love that. His light shines greater through cracked pots. It does through those who have it all together. See, last month we looked at the idea of sin. That God has created us. God the potter has shaped us. Sin gets in the way. We end up being cracked and broken. And yet if you're a follower of Jesus... And you welcome him, as we talked about earlier, into your heart. If you welcome his Holy Spirit to change you and transform you, it doesn't matter about those cracks. Actually, the more broken you are, the more God can shine through you. It's not your strength and your abilities that make you shine. It's realizing you are weak. But the strength within you comes from God. So much so, I think, that if you're a boring Christian like me, who just went to church all his life, and that's another very interesting or extreme life, sometimes we can be very guilty of looking at people that have had a really difficult, tough life, maybe come to Christianity later, or maybe moved away from the church and came back, and have a story to tell. And we look at them with kind of a sense of jealousy, saying, if only I had their cracks, then maybe I could shine brighter. I don't know if any of you feel like that. Sometimes you look at people, I have to admit, I don't want cracks. You know, let's be aware, God, if you're listening, I don't want to be cracked too much. But the reality is the more you're cracked, the more God can shine through you. You, know, you are, there is treasure. You are treasure. You have treasure in jars of clay. God forms us. God shapes us. And to say that we are clay is to acknowledge that we are God's handiwork. God has designed you. God has made you. But there's more than that. The, um, I, would, I used to like design. I was a design technology teacher. And there's a German uh, design house called Bauhaus. Um, and they had this, this um, saying. It says, form follows function. Form follows function. In other words... We think about what something, an object, a chair, a table, a spoon wants to do. First, what its function is. First, 
and then we design what it looks like afterwards. Because function is important. There's lots of stuff. I bought this, um, I think it was a Lessie um, a bottle opener. It was this like Italian design. It looked very nice, like a little man with arms. It was rubbish at opening up bottles, to be perfectly honest. I just put it in the, in the cabinet so it looked nice, but it was rubbish. And God not only has made you and shaped you and formed you, he has made you for a purpose. There is a function, there is something that God has designed you, called you to do. When we look in the uh, Old Testament, there's a guy called Isaiah who lived about 500 years maybe before uh, Jesus. And he was speaking to Israel as a prophet. In other words, he was sharing with the nation of Israel what God had placed on his heart. Sort of, And what he did, he looked at the situation they were in. And he said, if you keep on going this way, if you keep on doing what you are doing, then you are going to get yourself in trouble. And what did Israel do? They got themselves in trouble. They ended up being defeated by the Syrians and the Babylonians. It all goes very, very wrong. But there's one particular bit in Isaiah, and it focused around this time when Jerusalem, which was where Israel's gone, the capital city, it was besieged by the great, mighty Assyrian Empire. And there was no way that Israel could win. Nothing, it was just not possible. And yet we read in Isaiah this miracle where that Assyrian army struck down and, and Jerusalem is, is saved. And Isaiah is very clear that God has rescued his people, that God has done this. You can trust in him. God has a plan. As we can probably guess, that's not necessarily how the nation of Israel saw it. And it says these words in Isaiah 29. This is God speaking through Isaiah to his people. It says, woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? Because the nation of Israel was plotting and working out treaties with the Egyptians and trying to save themselves and align themselves with maybe their bigger neighbours so they might be secure and safe. And God goes on to say these words. says, you have turned things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. So what is formed so to the one who formed it? You did not make me. Can a pot say to the potter, you know nothing? So the problem with the nation of Israel, and I reckon it's the problem with us too, is that we look at God and we kind of belittle him, we bring him down to our level because he's more understandable that way. We can put him in a box and we can understand him more and we can get to the point where God is pretty much on the same level as us. And this is on the, If he's on the same level as us, then actually why do we need to listen to God about what our purpose is? And what our function is. Actually, when we start saying to God, you know, you didn't make me. You don't know anything. I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I need to be doing in my life. I, need, I know the direction I should be going in. I am so guilty of this because I plan and I plot. I won't say scheme because it sounds very negative. But I like to work out and look at things and think, you know, particularly my role as the, the leader of the church, the, one of the minister, you know, minister, is I think, if I do this and do that, and then we'll get to that. Can I, can I be honest with you? It never works. It never works. Every great plan and scheme I have doesn't work because I am not in control. 
I am not sovereign and I cannot keep track of all the different things in life. Things get in the way. Things don't go as I planned them. But you know, you know who is sovereign? Do you know who is in control? Do you know who does see, more, see all the bigger picture? It's God the potter who has shaped you and formed you. Not to be some nice decorative pot on a shelf, but for a purpose. And yet we get so focused on ourselves and what we are doing, we forget about God and we bring him down to a, a level where we can understand and think it's a nice thing to have, but actually I'm in charge of my life. And yet if we acknowledge that God is a potter, if we acknowledge that we are clay, then we are not only acknowledging God has made us, but we're acknowledging that God has made us for a purpose. And God is sovereign. See, we want freedom. The world tells us we want freedom to be. I want to be freedom to decide who I am. I want to be freedom to decide what I am. I want freedom in my life to design the, decide the plans for my life, my ambitions, my wants and my desires. And we allow ourselves to be formed by what the world tells us that we need rather than listening to what God has designed us for. If you listen to Going Deeper uh, last Monday, uh, Going Deeper last Sunday, Going Deeper is uh, most months, not every month, but most months at the end of a, a month's teaching, we go online, we just go a little bit deeper to the teaching. We talk around some of the subjects and uh, I was chatting with Daz and I recalled something I'd heard the day before on a, a podcast. And this is this idea that we love to say, God, what is your will for my life? What are your plans for my life? What do you want me to do? It sounds very good, but it's all about me. It's very easy to do all be about me because I spend a lot of time with myself, really. And I become very focused, self-focused on my life and my ambitions. And it sounds very pious saying, God, what's your will for my life? But maybe we should rethink the question and actually ask God, what is your will for this church. Lord God, what is your will for this town? What is your will for my friends and my neighbours and my workplace? And how do you want me to be involved in that? How have you designed me and shaped me and formed me for a particular purpose that's going to help your purposes and your plans for what's going on around me? Lord God, what do you want me to do? Because it's not about me. Lord God, it's about you. You have made me. You designed me. You have called me. You have shaped me for a purpose. Lord God, what is that? Just these words from 2 Timothy. This is Paul again, right to a young church leader called Timothy. And he says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel, a pot, a Tupperware pot for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to who? The master of the house. Who's the master of the house? Jesus. Ready for every good work. Are you willing to stop and to say, Lord God, what 
do you want me to do? What have you designed me to do? Where do you want me to work for your kingdom and not my own? As part of this series, um, this is actually one that Becky put together. Becky was our digital uh, lead who left us uh, end of January, and she put this series together. This is her last gift uh, to us. So she's put together a, a video, a four-minute video for each week where we just use images and some music for us just to reflect on the fact that God is a potter and we are the clay. And there's going to be some questions that come up during the playing of this video. But just take this time to reflect and to be quiet. And then we're going to sing uh, together. So let's watch this video and reflect together and pray. How does it make you feel to know that you have been shaped and moulded by God? Do you feel that your scars and cracks hold you back? Are you ashamed of them? You are made for a purpose. Who decides what your purpose is? Why not surrender your hopes, dreams and ambitions now to God the Potter? Thank you.